What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio Bacho. And here we go today, Stephen Covey, Season 6, Episode 13, How to Withstand Cultural Provocations. You know, I saw this girl on LinkedIn, she commented. And she commented about some of the cultural codes that, of course, India has. And you know, man, there's just so much ridiculous cultural pressures, as I see. Okay, now, no offense to any of my Indians, but when you're 22 years old, you're already deemed too old and you're not even marriageable as a woman. First, you're handpicked, okay? Now, if that's based on your culture, by all means, I just, I, I, I just don't, I, I can't see it that way. Now, not only that, but if you're 25, society would deem you as a rotten sport, a rotten human being and you cannot be married. Can you imagine how fucked up that is? That that would be good back 3,000 years ago. But again, how can you overcome those bullshit-ass cultural provocations? So where does one get the internal strength to swim in that bullshit? Indian women got to be some of the most powerful women on this planet. Because goddamn, every 15 seconds, someone's getting raped in India. How? Can they overcome that subordinate, selfish interest and develop that, de- that develop that vision and that determination to come out of that? Not only just that, but for everyone around the world that has to overcome the crazy-ass, bullshit-ass social blueprints that are bestowed upon us. There was a quote from Stephen Covey's book. He said, they learn of their true nature and gifts. The thing is, a lot of people don't. But once you do, you use them to develop a vision of great things that you want to accomplish. So with wisdom, you get that initiative and then you cultivate a great understanding with the needs and the opportunities. And then after that, you match your unique talents and then you have the higher motivations that are implemented that make that difference. And then in short, you end up finding your voice. You end up finding your voice. You end up serving and inspire others. Guys, if you go back to my episodes in my podcast in 2016, what the fuck was I? What was my primary talk about? What was my primary talk about? That's right. I'm making talk about, which is a phrasal verb, a motherfucking noun. I normally talked about all the things that have happened to my life from 2013 to 2016. So, of course, the majority of the things that happened in my life throughout that time was negative. I wouldn't say, no, I'm not going to say character building. It was character building. So I can only refer back to that. And the disgusted parasites that I worked with from October 2014, or I guess you could say November 2014, leading up to 2016, those were all the things that I had to overcome as an individual. So then I got next to, you know, in, in some people's crosshairs saying, oh, well, you're talking about me or you're inferring me. You're implicating me, motherfucker. I'm implicating whatever I want to implicate. If you don't like it, get your bitch ass out my face. That's the way I see it. I found my voice. When my, when my boss at the time, who I saw at this past February 14th wedding of a longtime associate who I work with so many times on this podcast before she came in. And it was during the afternoon. I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, but he came in and he said, you know what, Arsenio, uh, just to let you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about your podcast. I said, what? I said, yeah, there's a lot of talk about your podcast. You know, there's some things going on. The teachers aren't happy. I'm like, what? Not happy about what? What are you talking about? How the fuck they know? 
He's like, oh, well, someone found out about your podcast. I was like, well, it was Hubert, right? Oh, well, I'm not going to say that. I said, I told you guys not to let that fucking snake in here. Regardless of what I said on that podcast, what, what did I say? Oh, a guy with a bald spot. Okay. Fat old guy, 78 years old, got a 38-year-old whore wife. Oops, sorry. If you fit that description, that's your own motherfucking fault. And so... There was a lot happening. He's like, oh, aren't you supposed to be like the motivational speaker? You know, all that bullshit. When it was all said and done, I was given a warning. A slap on the hand and they say, hey, don't do that. That forever had taken a turn. At that specific moment, that was, and I had to be in July or August. Because I remember I was doing, you know, June of 2016 had to be the most successful month leading up to that point of my life. In terms of getting projects. But I think in August or September, that's when that happened. And then, hey, that's when my career at that specific place, it was no longer it. It took a turn. All those old white sex wife pats, sex pats, pedophile pats. Those fuckers I used to work with. That's right. I had to develop my voice through that shit. And he said, Arsenio, uh, can you delete all the previous episodes? I said, I fucking will not. Fuck you. You can't tell me what or what. I'm going to be like, oh, can you get a divorce with your whore wife? You bought the bitch. Now, if you're going to tell me to do something on my personal time and my personal life, I'm going to need you to get rid of that, uh, you know, that girl that you bought at the home uh, at your home. If you go back to Hubert's home, I bet you you're going to say, see a lot of sex slaves over there. Oh, guys, just look up the motherfucking news. Guys, I used to work with these parasites. You think I don't know? You think I'm stupid? If you started looking up information on me, I'm bound to look up some information on you. You're a neighborhood drunk. You go outside screaming, slamming bottles every fucking night. Nobody in your neighborhood likes you, Mr. Dutchie. That's what happened. Throughout that entire... When someone told me I couldn't do something anymore, I said, fuck you. This is my voice. And I'm going to use it to serve people. Now, 2016, I wasn't serving people. 2017, I was barely serving anyone. Well, no, 2016, I was barely serving anyone. 2017 was a little bit better, but 2018, I started finding myself. That was the real character building stuff when I had to find a job and find this and find work and develop relationships. 2019, that's when I just, that was it. All those chains and shackles of the past, they were given up. So I started applying principles, you know, to govern that growth through all these books that I've been reading. To find that prosperity and to push human beings and organizations. And you know, it drew out the highest form in me. The body, the mind, the heart, the spirit, the four dimensions. So I ended up and ultimately used the power of influence to inspire other ones. Not only through voice, but so many other things. So, again, if I go back to... uh, 2012 to 2013 and being in that, you know, being in my home at that time and my mother, you know, not talking to me. I remember I went to the the health department to get a shot of typhoid, $75 uh, shot, right? But you can't put a price on a life, right? I got that shot, came back home. That shot was fucking horrible, by the way. It was like a tetanus shot. So your fucking arm is in absolute pain for like 24 hours. I came home. And she's like, oh, and I was like, yeah, I just got a shot. I had to get a shot before moving to Thailand. My mom, she didn't say, oh, that was really good. I'm very happy you got a shot. Her first remark was, 
How much was it? I said $75. She looked at me dirty. Because in those $75, she looked at what was important for her, which was gas, money, and food, compared to her son's fucking life. I'm telling you from experience. That look on her face was like, why the fuck you get, why'd you get that shot? <gasps> Mom, and if I get typhoid and die, are you going to give a fuck? Wow. Oh, boy. I know exactly who not to be when I grow up. I really do. I would never say such a thing. I'd be like, man, I would take my shit. I'd be like, wait, where are you going? Oh, over here. What kind of shots do you need? Okay, three shots. All right, let's go. Let's go get them. I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, with those. And it's my money, too. It's not even your money. It's my fucking money. It's not like I'm like, mom, I need $300 for shots. No, Arsenio has his own money. Arsenio go gets a shot. And my mom is like, oh, well, you could have paid gas and this. I'm like, oh, okay, so if I die out there in Thailand, are you going to give a fuck? Welcome to my quote-unquote family of the past. I don't consider them family anymore. My mom, she did a supportive job. She did an amazing job from the 90s, stick it through. She, hey, roof over my head, water in the refrigerator, food on the table. That's all a mother could do. That's all she could do. And that was it. After 2006, after 2010, when I moved to Australia, she was no longer my mother. She lost all motherhood. She just simply did not give a fuck. Although she did when I used to come downstairs the day after coming back. She said, oh my God, are you hungry? Did you sleep well? This, that's my mom at the age of 25 asking me those questions. So I know from experience, if I ever have a kid in the future, I know the things that I wanted and I lacked, I'm going to give everything to that child. So, again, throughout this process... A lot of people would say, you know, I remember I was teaching a banking executive at the, uh, at the, what is she? She was the HR executive of Bangkok Bank. And, you know, uh, she would, she would listen to my, my podcast a lot. This wasn't my English language podcast, just this podcast right here. And she wasn't, you know, she, she had listened, you know, listened to a couple of podcasts and me, you know, talk about my mom. And I'm like, understand that I'm not talking about her in a bad way. My mother did 